Yivamos, Perak Dalad, Mishnah Zayin, 4-7. This Mishnah has two parts that are really unrelated. The first part is talking about the laws of inheritance, and the second are the forbidden relationships that are created through Chalitza. Um, so here on the first part of inheritance, the question is, how does inheritance work when we're talking about the estate of the deceased brother? So let's just make sure we have the halachas clear in general how Yerusha works, inheritance. So, if there's a father, Yaakov, and he has three sons, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. If Reuven dies, so his children will be his heirs. If Reuven has no children, and we're talking about a Yubin case here, so of course our Mishnah will talk about a case where there are no children, so then Reuven's father would be his heir. If he's alive, he would inherit from his son, Yaakov. And if there is the father, Yaakov, has died in the meantime, so then, I mean, prior to... Reuven's death, so then uh, the two brothers, Shimon and Levi, will inherit Reuven's estate on equal footing, each 50-50. That's the basic rules of inheritance. Now, as we kind of said before, and we'll see one this mission very clearly, that if one performs Yibum, let's say if Reuven dies, leaves a widow, has no children, and Shimon is Miyabem, Reuven's widow, so then he kind of steps into Reuven's shoes, and Reuven's entire estate flows to Shimon. In fact, the word the mission here will use is Nachala. Nachala means an inheritance, but a Nachal is like a river which flows, ideas that flows in. So if one does Yibum, he becomes like the full and only exclusive inheritor of the estate of his late brother. Okay? So now the mission says inside, Hacholetz Levimto. If one performs Yibum with his sister in law. So again, the three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven dies. He had a wife. Rachel is her name, let's say, and Reuven has no children. So then Rachel now falls to Yibam. If Shimon performs Chalitza instead of Yibam, so now that means Rachel goes free, but now who inherits Reuven's estate? He, meaning Shimon, who performed the Chalitza, is just like all the other brothers, in this case the one other brother, Levi, in terms of the inheritance of Reuven's estate. So Reuven's estate will be divided 50-50, between Shimon and Levi. Now, the Chiddush of the mission is, you might have thought that since either A, you know, Shimon has chance to inherit and he gave it up by doing Chalitza, or B, you might think, listen, by doing Chalitza, Shimon has undermined Levi's chance of inheriting the full estate. So you might have thought that one of those two reasons, or both those reasons, there should be some preferential treatment towards Levi, but there isn't. Reuven and Shimon are on equal footing. Says the Mishnah, Vim Yesham Av, if Yaakov was still alive at the time of Reuven's death, so then, even though Shimon did Chalitza, that's not relevant, Yaakov is the person who inherits his deceased son's estate, so Yaakov the father gets everything of Reuven, and in the meantime, Shimon and Levi don't get anything, because Chalitza was done instead of Yibum, and of course, eventually Yaakov will die, and the sons will inherit. On the other hand, now that was the Chalitza case. What happens if Shimon performs Yibum? Hakona says Yivimto. If Shimon elects to, I'll call it marry, bring in, like Chopa, doing, he does Bia and he now is Miyabim, his sister-in-law, taking her as a wife and perpetuating the marriage of his late brother. So then, Zacha benachasim shel Achiv. He, Shimon, the Yavam, who now marries this woman, takes her in, he 
is the sole inheritor of the estate of his late brother, Reuven. He gets everything. And that will be the din. Rebuta disagrees. Rebuta holds that whether one performs even or not doesn't um, undermine the zechuyos, the rights of the father if he's alive. And therefore Rebuta says, ben kach u ben kach. It doesn't matter whether Shimon elects to do yibm or chalitza. Im yesham av, if their father Yaakov is arrived, alive, excuse me, then nechasem shall av, then Yaakov the father will inherit his late son's estate, regardless of whether or not the sons, the brothers of the late Reuven, perform yibm. Okay. That's the first part of the Mishnah. And again, the halacha is not like Rabbi Yehuda, so one who does Yibam inherits. Now, a totally new point, like a, a new Mishnah, Ki'ilu. So this part of the Mishnah wants to talk about the new forbidden relationships that are created when one performs Chalitza. So just take a step back here again. Let's get the big picture. Um, under normal circumstances, typically, if there are these brothers, it's called Reuven Shem Levi, so... Typically, Shimon and Levi have no relationship at all to their sister-in-law, Reuven's wife, and therefore her whole family tree is permitted to them. Um, but once Reuven dies and he has no children, he leaves over this widow, and there's like a Zika, there's like, you know, to the brothers. So now, in the meantime, while the Zika is there, Reuven and Shimon become, as so to speak, the Zika is kind of like a marriage. So they become like kind of married to her, so to speak, on some level. And therefore all her relatives that would normally be forbidden, if they were married to her proper, become forbidden to them. That's Midurabanan. Now, once the Zika is resolved, let's say Shimon performs Yibam, or Chalita, that matter makes no difference. So then Levi, now the Zika has been removed, Levi can marry anybody in his sister-in-law's family tree, because even though they had had a Zika once upon a time, the Zika's gone, and now he can marry whoever he wants. The point of our Mishnah here is to say that when one performs Chalitza, we treat it as, because Chalitza resembles divorce so much, Chalitza is so similar to, to Gerishin, we're going to treat the person who performs Chalitza as if he married and divorced his sister-in-law. And if one marries his sister-in-law, then a whole slew of relatives become forbidden new halachas these are on a, even on a derisive level if one actually marries a woman so then we'll actually see there are seven different uh, relationships which become forbidden mid and although when we're talking about chalitza there's no derisive der- marriage happening here we're treating those seven relationships um, relatives of the of the woman as that it would be prohibited mid had they really married to be forbidden mid even after chalitza and similarly, there'll be a host of forbidden relationships that would have been created if they really got married, which would restrict her, the the chalutza, the widow, um, from marrying um, that uh, the relatives of the cholets of the, her brother-in-law who performed the chalitza as if they had been married. Okay, so the mission will list seven on her side and six on his side. Um, the seven on her side come first, and those, again, are the ones that would have been forbidden midor raisa if they actually been really married, for real. Um, even after chalitza, the seven are prohibited. Then we'll have a list of six on his side. This is more complicated. Some would have only been usher midor abanan, some midor raisa. More on that in a moment. So first, let's see the mission inside in the first half. It says, HaCholetz Liyavimto. If one performs chalitza with his sister-in-law, so then, who asr b'krovo seha? He, although the Zika severed and they've gone their separate ways, he still is forbidden to marry 
her relatives, as will be enumerated in a moment, as if they had been married. Behi asura bekrovav, and she will be still be forbidden to marry his relatives, even though they're now severed through the chalitza. Who is who asur? He is forbidden to marry the following seven uh, of her relatives of the chalutza's relatives. Again, this this is a list that would have been a list of the Doraisa prohibitions had they really gotten married. First of all, he's forbidden to marry Beima, her mother. Uveim Ima, her grandmother on her mother's side. Uveim Avia, also her grandmother on her father's side. Ubevita, her daughter. Remember, she could have had a daughter from her previous marriage. Ubevasvita, her granddaughter through her daughter. Uvasbna, and her granddaughter through her son. Again, these children were born from a different marriage. Not the late brother, of course, then there wouldn't be a Yubim situation. And finally, Uvachosa, and also he can't marry her sister, Bizman Shikayemis, all the while that she, the Chalutza, is still alive. As far as sisters go, there's a, there's a separate prohibition. Um, Bechayeha, during her lifetime, the Pasuk says, you can't marry a woman and her sister, but if the woman dies, then you could marry the sister. And therefore, if one performs Chalitza, he can't marry the Chalutza sister, but if she dies, then the Chalutza sister becomes permitted to him. Just make a note to yourself in the Mishnah that this caveat, Bizman Shikayemis, all the while she's alive, only applies to the sister, her sister, but it wouldn't apply to her mother or daughter, etc. Okay? So those are the first um, seven, those are the seven relationships that he is forbidden to engage in, and all those would have been a derise if they had really been married instead of performed Chalitza. Now we're going to have six, oh sorry, the Mishnah then, excuse me, says, Va'achen Mutarin, Although this guy who's the Cholets, who performed the Chalitza, he can't marry those seven relationships. The other brothers can. Once Chalitza's performed, so then the Zika's severed. Now they're not even sort of married to her, if you will. And therefore her sister and mother and daughter and so on become permitted to them. Now she, the Chalitza, is going to be forbidden in six different ways um, to the Cholets, the brother who did Chalitza with her. Now this lists... Um, if they had been married, some of those people in this list would be a Doraisa, and some would be only Medurabanan. So let's go through them one at a time. Um, something that's a little bit confusing, I think, is that whenever the Torah speaks about Arayos, forbidden married relationships, so it focuses from the perspective of the man. So, for example, it says, a person may not marry his daughter-in-law, Kalaso, his son's wife. It doesn't say that a woman may not marry her father-in-law. Okay, because those are reciprocal relationships, it's the same relationship. But the Gemara and the Chumash always focus on, like I'll call it Kalaso, daughter-in-law, and never Chameha, her father-in-law. Okay, so this list here, since we are talking about who she can't marry, we're focused from her perspective, but I'll translate them back to being, so to speak, from the man's perspective, from the Psukim, or whatever it'll be, so, you, so they're the more familiar list of Isurim. And again, some of these will be um, prohibitions that would have been a Doraisa had they really been married. Um, and then gotten divorced, and some will be just Durabanan, Shneos, like rabbinic extensions of the Doraisa. So here we go. The first is Aviv. But Aviv, she is Hiasura Baviv, she may not marry his father. Okay, um, now that's an Isra Doraisa because of the equivalent of, of Kalaso, of daughter in law. In other words, right? She was married to Reuven, then Shimon did Chalitza with her, so Shimon's father. Father is also Reuven's father, um, is forbidden to her because it's her father-in-law, which is Kalaso, meaning it's Shimon's father, so that means it's Shimon's father's son's Reuven, 
his wife, Colosso, okay, or Shimon's wife, Colosso. So that being the case, if they'd been married, I'm sorry, I said that badly. If Shimon had married her, then Shimon's father couldn't marry her because it would be his daughter-in-law, and therefore, although they did Chalitza, still she cannot get married to his father, as if, because the father, it's Colosso. Okay, second of all, Avi Aviv, his Shimon's father's father, Shimon's grandfather. That actually um, is only a Durabanan, even if they had been married for real, because um, that's called like Kalaspano, one's like granddaughter-in-law, if you will. Um, and that's that's also, this is a Durabanan, but here it's going to be still Usr for her to marry. Third of all, you've got Bano, his son. That means Shimon's son. Okay, so um, we're talking here a case of even if it's Shimon's son through another marriage, of course, because not not her own son, um, but Shimon has another son, so she can't marry that person, and that would be a Doraisa if they'd been really married, because that's the same as Aishas Aviv marrying your father's wife, right? Shimon's son. If they shouldn't have married this woman, so then Shimon's son would relate to her as his father's mother. Okay, that's forbidden with Orisa, if it would have been real marriage. And fourth, you have Ben Beno. This is a grandson, Shimon's grandson. Again, I'm from a different woman, of course. Um, that would be Isra Durabadan, because it's Aishas Avi Aviv. It's marrying your grandfather's wife, because it's Shimon's grandson. So Shimon's grandson marrying... Shimon's wife would be a Durabana, an extension, Shani, and therefore she can't marry she can't marry his grandson. Even after Khalitza. Um fifth you have Achiv, his brother. So of course we're not talking about the brother that was Reuben's brother also from the father, but necessarily but a father from the mother's side. So in other words, Shimon has a different mother, let's say, than Reuben, but uh, those brothers are forbidden to her also after Khalitza. Um, and that would be a Doraisa because of the Palach of, you know, Eshes Achiv, marrying your brother's, even for your mother, but your brother's wife. Okay? And finally, Ben Achiv Me'av. This is more, a little more complicated than the family tree. Um, that would be a Doraisa, had they really been married. Here's the family tree. So let's say you have Reuven and Shimon and Levi are brothers. Reuven dies. Shimon does Chalitza. Levi has a son named Ben Levi. So we're saying that Rachel the Chalutza cannot marry Ben Levi, her Cholutza's brother's son. That's a Doraisa because, that would be Doraisa if they were married, because it's the equivalent of saying Eishas Achi Aviv, Me'av, which is your, essentially your uncle's wife, the wife of the brother of your father, if it's from the same grandfather. So that is Asr Midoraisa, and therefore she, the Chalutza, Rachel, cannot marry Shimon's brother's son, Levi's son, Ben Levi, can't marry the Chalutza, Rachel, Midorabana.